Welcome to the Pacific Northwest edition of America Outdoors Radio. We've got a fast-paced hour of fishing, hunting, and conservation covering the nation and the Northwest, including 13 extra minutes of local content you'll only hear on Seattle's Sports Radio, KJR. Welcome to your weekend. I am glad you're here. If you're looking for something to do, drop by the Washington Sportsman Show in Puyallup. It has been going off since Wednesday. It's been a ton of fun, and I hope you'll drop by our Northwestern Outdoors radio booth because we are doing some giveaways courtesy of Camp Chef and Cenasi Seafood and Work Sharp. Find out more about the show at thesportshows.com. We've got three great guests for you today. At the bottom of the hour, you'll hear from Ty Mountner with Garibaldi Charters. At the end of the show, you'll hear from Jim Davis about his winter walleye social on the Columbia River that you were invited to as a kayak angler. And as always, this portion of the show is brought to you by your Puget Sound Area Sportsman's Warehouse stores in Everett, Silverdale, Federal Way, and Puyallup. Look for staff from the Puyallup store at the Washington Sportsman Show and be sure to stop by their stores to stock up on ammo and more. Next up, if you haven't been to Coconoli in north central Washington, that's west of OMAC, south of the Canadian border, you are missing out on a great place to go for outdoors recreation, just a great place to hang out too. With us here to tell you more about early season opportunities at Coconoli is Sarah Youngblood. She is the secretary for the Chamber of Commerce. Sarah, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's talk first about Conconoli. Why don't you go ahead and, and tell our listeners how big it is, what kind of businesses are in town, and the lakes that border both ends of the city. So Conconelli is a fairly small town. In the summertime, we have about 400 residents, and in the wintertime, we have about 200 permanent residents. Some of the businesses that we have there, you can find the general store. Everybody loves to stop there for ice cream in the summertime. We also have the Sit and Bowl, which is a fantastic restaurant and bar is the same as the Red Rock. The Red Rock does have new owners this year, so we're excited to see what opportunities they're going to present for us. We also have tons of different resorts available. And then we have the state park, which is fantastic. And you can also rent cabins there as well. And we have both of the upper and lower reservoir lakes there in Conconelli, which is great for fishing. You can get kokanee, bass. I know we have some rainbow trout in there as well. Well, the problem, though, is that you don't get to go after those fish in the upper and lower reservoir and several other lakes until the fourth weekend of April. And I know that's like the most popular weekend of the year in Conconoli. What I wanted to focus on today was kind of going just before the season starts, because there are some opportunities in the month of April, and it's wide open lodging-wise. I mean, you've pretty much got the town to yourself, but you've still got some outdoors recreation. And one thing that people can do starting April 1st is head to Spectacle Lake. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what they can find there fishing-wise? So Spectacle Lake is about 25 minutes away from Conconelli through the back roads. It's great for ATVs. People like driving from Conconelli to Spectacle. And in Spectacle Lake, you can find brook trout as well as your large and smallmouth bass. Are there any other fish you can catch in the spring at Spectacle Lake? You can catch bluegill as well as catfish. Let's talk about something else. That would be turkey hunting. Now, turkey season opens up on the 15th, and you've got a lot of turkey up in your neck of the woods in both the Sinlahican Wildlife Area and on the National Forest Service land that surrounds you. Correct. If you are staying in Conconelli, and if you drive five minutes out of town in the Forest Service area or about a 15-minute drive out into the Sinlahican, you can find turkeys just about everywhere. 
Sounds like a very target-rich environment, pun intended there. So again, folks, consider a trip to Conconelli before the crowds arrive for the trout opener the fourth week of April. Go there around the 15th. Go there at the 1st of April. Do some fishing at Spectacle Lake. Do some turkey hunting. There's lots of hiking to be done, lots of wildlife watching. You'll never see so many deer in a town than you do in Conconelli. I honestly believe the deer outnumber the residents there most of the time. They do. All right. Well, look for the Conconoli Chamber of Commerce on Facebook or go to Conconoli.com. That's C-O-N-C-O-N-U-L-L-Y, Conconoli.com, and plan a small-town outdoors getaway for this spring. That's your first local shot of the outdoors. Now let's see what's going on across the nation. Backcountryhunters.org. Join the fight for our public lands and waters today. It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. You know, we all have our favorite places where we get to go to and one of mine is definitely alaska i just love the last frontier i love the wildlife i love the natural beauty and i love the fishing and i think my favorite place that i get to go to in alaska is sportsman's cove lodge we talk about it all the time on this show they're a longtime sponsor and this lodge located in a secluded cove on prince of wales island not far from ketchikan in southeast alaska is truly my happy place and we're going to tell you all about it today as we head to Sportsman's Cove Lodge. You're going to hear from my daughter because I got to take her for the third time and I'll tell you what there is nothing better than father-daughter or father-son time especially when they get to college age and they might not be so interested in spending time with dad anymore but we always enjoy this trip together and this one just like every other one was a ton of fun you'll hear from faith cruz in just a minute who will tell you more about how things go at sportsman's cove lodge on a daily basis we also got to go fishing with the mchenry's and the mcleans for three days on our boat and terry mclean who is a petite woman who loves to fish well this petite woman reeled in a monster halibut that weighed in at 121 pounds. She'll tell you all about that battle, too. Somebody else we'll talk to is our captain, Brian Williamson. He hails from Florida. He's up here for his second season, had a great time fishing with him, and he's going to tell you all about mooching for salmon and the history of mooching as a technique for salmon, too, something that originated in the Pacific Northwest. Finally, we'll be talking to the owner of the lodge, Larry McQuarrie, who everyone just calls Captain Mac. We're going to ask Captain Mac about his story because it's an amazing story of how he went from a small-town boy who started off as a commercial fisherman in his teens to owning one of the finest lodges in North America. But before we talk to Captain Mac, let's talk to my daughter, Faith. Next on America Outdoors Radio, I've got a very special guest for you today. It's my daughter, Faith Cruz. We're sitting here on the deck 
of the Saltry Pub, looking over the marina where we just came back from a wonderful day of fishing at Sportsman's Cove Lodge on Prince of Wales Island in Alaska. Faith, I hope you had as good of a day as I did. I definitely did. Let's talk a little bit about uh, how the day went. First off, yesterday was tough, but today, boy oh boy, things changed, didn't they? Yeah, they definitely did. We started off by hitting the halibut grounds. We definitely were able to reel up quite a few. I got, I think, three or four, but the first two were super tiny. Other ones were around like 10 pounds-ish. But yesterday, somebody reeled up a 120-pound halibut, and I reeled up one that was about 70 pounds, which was pretty crazy. Yes, it was crazy indeed. I told you, when you reeled up your halibut, that's the biggest halibut I'd seen reeled up to the boat in my life. And right after that, Terry McLean, who you're going to hear from later in the show, she got this 120 and 125 pound fish absolutely amazing oh and one thing i should add about the halibut you might reel up a bunch but you only get to keep one per angler so even on a great halibut fishing day like we had you only get to keep one per angler you don't get any more than that unless you're willing to pay for one that's called a gaff fish and terry mclean again that we're going to speak to shortly will explain more about that program but let's talk about how today went today again uh we got the halibut we picked up a few true cod out there, and before the day ended, we decided to try our hand at some salmon fishing, and you, once again, got a nice king salmon. Yeah, it was definitely not as big as some of the other ones I had caught, but it was still a 15 and a half pound king salmon. It was definitely good to, when we were mooching, we immediately felt that dead weight, and I was like, okay, I got something on, and it started fighting the second that we got to the boat, and it kept on running and running, but we eventually got it in. You know, you've been with me in Canada. You've been with me on other trips where we have trolled for salmon. And you've been up here to Sportsman's Cove Lodge where you're mooching for salmon, much more hands-on. Which do you prefer and why? I definitely prefer the mooching just because you're more involved in it. It's not really just kind of sitting there and waiting. You're definitely, it's a more hands-on approach, as you said. All in all, a very good day. And by the way, we were greeted with a crab boil upon our return. Always one of my favorite events here at Sportsman's Cove Lodge, eating crab and shrimp and potatoes and sausage and corn on the cob right there at the dock. All sorts of fun. And that's just the appetizer before dinner. Let's go ahead, you and I, and tell our listeners a little bit about the routine, the schedule here, how it all works at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. And I guess we'll start off with the flight from Seattle, because wherever you're coming from, unless you're coming from Alaska, uh, you're going to be going to Seattle first. So you catch a flight to Ketchikan, what happens next? So once you get into Ketchikan, you usually take a float plane in from Taquan Air. We were not able to because there was a lot of fog and it was pretty windy, rainy. So we ended up taking boats in, which took a bit, but it was definitely still a rewarding experience. Once you get in, there's a lot of appetizers. The deckhands immediately greet you and they immediately take your luggage up the stairs to your rooms. You get to know the people on your boat, your captains, the other people in the lodge, and you get to have a really, really nice dinner. And then in the next morning, you start getting ready to fish. One thing that I really like, and I know you do too, is the fact that you're fishing with the same captain, the same deckhand, and the same, in our case, other four people. There's six per boat every single day. So you really get to know them and become friends with them. Yeah, that's true. Definitely some really good friends that I've met through my few years up here. So you go fishing in the morning, you have a a nice breakfast, it's a nice hot breakfast, you come on down, you get on your rain gear they have for you, you hop in the boat, you do your fishing, you do your halibut, you go after your salmon, you come back, what happens next? So they immediately take pictures with everybody and their fish. They also weigh the fish to see who got the biggest ones. And then during dinner that night, the people who got the biggest fish of the day, they get coffee cups and sometimes caps as well, depending on how big the fish was. And yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun. It's really, really rewarding for sure. 
As a matter of fact, you're wearing one of the hats you just got last night, the Alaska Halibut 50-pound club hat. Congratulations on your halibut that weighed probably about 60, 70 pounds. Thank you. Appreciate it. We have to mention a certain rivalry that has been going on here. Now, my first year at Sportsman's Cove Lodge was 2018, and I had the distinct pleasure of fishing with Rob Gottlieb. He's a retired Delta Airlines pilot now. He was still working then, and his dad, true living legend, Bink Gottlieb, who we've talked about before on the show. If you want to find out more, ask me. I'll tell you. He is an amazing man. But Rob and I had a great time, and in 2019 was the first year you came with me, and you caught the biggest king salmon of the entire summer. How big was that? It was 37 and a half pounds. Well, Rob caught the second biggest salmon. How big was his? About 32 pounds, I believe. So, unbeknownst to us, Rob has harbored this secret envy for years now that he's been trying to work through. And this year, he came the same week that we did. And we saw him at SeaTac Airport, and he was wearing a jacket. Because when you're first and second place, they actually give you a free trip back to Sportsman's Cove Lodge if you catch the biggest salmon or the biggest halibut. And they give you a jacket, too. So tell me about his jacket, and tell me about your jacket. So first of all, they're really nice jackets. Uh, They got some really nice insulation. They're definitely for the rain and also just for the snow, although you don't have to deal with that up here, of course. Um, But the main difference is on the front, it has your name, the species of fish that you got, and uh, whether you got first or second place. And mine says first and his says second. And you kind of pointed that out to him, didn't you? Uh, I definitely did. (laughs) However, he got you back yesterday, didn't he? He absolutely did. He proceeded to roast me in front of the entire lodge during what was once a lovely dinner. (laughs) <laughs> it was a lovely dinner, by the way. The, the cod fish and chips were delicious, as was the clam chowder. But you were presented with your, you know, hat for the 50-pound halibut club. And then it was Rob's turn to take a talk, and it turned out he got a halibut that was... Uh, 82 pounds, if I remember correctly. Yes, and it, just as you said to him that, you know, your jackets were similar but yours was first and his was second. He made a similar remark to you about the halibut hat, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He wanted to point out in front of everyone that his said the 75-pound club and mine said the 50-pound club. I love this rivalry, folks. All good-natured fun. But, folks, there's just so much fun you're going to have here at Sportsman's Cove Lodge, whether you're making new friends, whether you're enjoying the delicious food, whether you're just getting out here with the fishing. And, oh, by the way, we got to mention the wildlife. There was whales out there today. We've been seeing eagles like crazy. And how many bears do we see today? Uh, We saw one on the beach today, and we also saw one yesterday right at the cove, which was really, really cool. Black bears, cool things to see here. Some of the many things you're going to see here, along with the amazing wilderness scenery you're going to find here in southeast Alaska, around Prince of Wales Island, and around Saltry Cove, where you're going to find Sportsman's Cove Lodge. We've got to go. We've got one more day tomorrow. I hope the rivalry between you and Rob continues in this wonderful, good-natured way, and that you both catch a lot of fish. Yeah, I definitely got a surprise for him planned for dinner tonight. And uh, yeah, I'm really hoping that we can both catch some good fish. All right, folks, stick around. We're going to have more for you from Sportsman's Cove Lodge right after this short break. In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. 
But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. Country hunters and anglers. You may have heard of us, but what are we about? BHA is the voice for your wild public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to boots on the ground projects like public land cleanups, we work across North America to uphold the legacy of our public lands and waters, as well as your opportunity to hunt, fish, and recreate on them. Stand up for public lands and waters and become a BHA member today. Visit backcountryhunters.org. The new year is here, and you know what that means. It's show season, and O'Loughlin Trade Shows has all sorts of great shows coming your way to include new dates here for the Washington Sportsman Show, February 1st through the 5th at the fairgrounds in Puyallup, and the huge Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show will be taking place February 15th through the 19th at the Expo Center in Portland. This is the second biggest show in the entire nation. If you can't make it to Portland, there's always the Seattle RV Show February 16th through the 19th at the Lumen Field Event Center. And last but not least, the Central Oregon Sportsman Show March 9th through the 12th. Find out more at otshows.com. That's otshows.com for all of these great shows. Northwest Oregon's Tillamook Coast is not only the place to go for cheese and ice cream, but also for outdoors fun. Hook into a salmon in Tillamook Bay or one of the rivers flowing into it. Harvest tasty clams from our bays and pull up a crabrine or pot full of big Dungeness crab. Visit our parks, walk the beaches, explore our forests, and enjoy our coastal communities. You are going to love it here. Plan your trip today at TillamookCoast.com. That's TillamookCoast.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. A seafood bounty is waiting for you on Northwest Oregon's Tillamook Coast. Catch a limit of big salmon, haul up a pot of delicious crab, plan your visit today at TillamookCoast.com. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we are broadcasting from the cabin of the showgirl, a 37-foot boat that's out in the inside passage between Prince of Wales Island and Ketchikan, Alaska. We are fishing right now for lingcod out here, and earlier we were fishing for halibut, and we've had some pretty good luck for halibut today, but not compared to yesterday when we got in some real big ones, and the biggest one of all was caught by the person that's right in front of me, Terry McLean. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. 
So, Terry, you hail from South Lake near the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, and they say everything's bigger in Texas, and apparently so are the fish that the anglers catch there, too. Yes. <laughs> and I got to put this in, in comparison here, folks. You are how tall and how much do you weigh? Questions a man is never supposed to ask, but right. they're important here. Yeah, and I don't mind answering. Five feet, uh, 105 pounds. And let's talk about that halibut that you caught. We're going to talk more in detail in a minute, but I can tell you folks that halibut was about 65 inches long, and how much did it weigh? 120. So that halibut was taller than Terry. That halibut weighed more than Terry. In just a minute, we're going to tell you how she caught it. But before we do, kind of want to get into your backstory. You're here with your husband, Todd. Uh, Todd is, it's actually his birthday today. today. Yes, so happy birthday, Todd. He's out there trying to catch fish while we're talking here. I just made him a ham ham and grilled cheese sandwich on the cook stove in the cabin. That's right, folks. They got all the amenities. That's, that's that's Todd's birthday cake. It's a grilled grilled ham and cheese sandwich, but he loved it. Trust me on this. Let's talk a little bit about the places that you and Todd have been, because you love to literally fish all over the world, don't you? We do. We have fished here three times in the Bristol Bay area, but we love it here. The lodge here is incredible. Well, before we talk about the lodge here, let's continue with your world travel. So yeah. you've been up in Bristol Bay, Alaska. Yep. You've fished up there. You've done some fly fishing up there. But you fished down south, too, haven't you? Yes. I have the Abacos, of course, Florida, Louisiana, Venice, Louisiana, Costa Rica, Puerto Rica, Mexico, Cabo, many, many years we've done that. And I believe that's about it. Did I cover it all? Uh, I think you did. And along the way, uh, you've caught some pretty big fish. What are some of the species you've caught and how big? We've caught marlin, sailfish, dorado, and of course your Florida fish, uh, redfish, snapper. One day in uh, in Cabo, we were there uh, in the fall months and we hooked up 14 marlin in one day and got seven to the boat. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is absolutely incredible. So All day of it. That is something else. Well, let's tee up yesterday. Uh, It was a rough morning in terms of the weather. The fishing was pretty slow. We made a move, got out of the weather, and it still wasn't fast and furious, but my daughter actually had a big takedown and got a a really nice halibut that was probably around 70 pounds or so, and not long after that, you got the big takedown. Tell us about the fight. Well, I thought I was on bottom because we were drifting, but then when... The rod went right to left. I knew that I had a fish, and so I was very excited. And it took, uh, what, about 45 minutes, wouldn't you say? Uh, It took a long time to get that fish in. It was probably about 45 minutes. You're right. Yeah, it was exciting and a lot of work. Oh, well, it was a lot of work, and you did the work, (laughs) but I think the most exciting part was when we got it to the boat, because that's when we saw how big it was. You know, again, folks, 65 inch. This is almost a five and a half foot long halibut that weighs 120, 125 pounds. And now the big question is, how are you and your husband, who's got a gaff in one hand, and the deckhand, who's got a gaff, and the captain... A surprise. Yes, who has a surprise. He, yes, he spoke about the uh, they were going to shoot it, but I thought it was some kind of electrical shock. <laughs> it was an actual gun. And so I jumped, of course. And then they uh, opened the rail and dragged it in. Well, they were, thought they were going to have to shoot it again, but they were able to knock it in the head a couple times. Well, that was a big lift, folks. So again, that 410 shotgun to the head was what got it. Didn't kill it, by the way, immediately. And then your husband and the deckhand use the gaffs and literally are leaning back as hard as they can to haul this thing in. And it is flopping on the deck like nobody's business. And I don't know about you, 
but I wanted to keep clear of that monster. That yes. could do some damage to a person. Yes, it could. Yes, it could. And it actually stayed alive for like 30 more minutes after it was in the ice bucket. Yeah. No, it was it was a monster of a fish, a hard-fighting fish, and it wasn't giving up for anybody. Yeah. So i got to ask, let's talk next about this, because in Alaska, the regulations are a little weird. So when it comes to halibut, if it's under 40 inches, you can keep it, no problem. Right. If it's over 80 inches, you can keep it, no problem. But to be honest, folks, those really, really big ones don't eat as well. But this, in the middle, it eats well, and they have a program called the GAF program, which was explained to you. How does that work? Well, with a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, the state of Alaska has a program. This is a, a partnership between the charter fleet and the commercial fleet, where the commercial fleet will give up some of their catch in return for cash. So this fish was a $525 fish. Yes. And so you had to make the decision, do you want to spend $525 for a 120-pound halibut in your decision? I kept it. Absolutely. You kind of had to after you shot it. So that decision was made before it came in the boat. But there's four of you here. You came as a party of four, so that's going to be just great. Right. We'll just split it and split the meat, and we're going to have halibut for a year. (laughs) Well, good for you on that. You've caught a bunch of fish today, too. You know, what made you pick Sportsman's Cove Lodge in terms of coming here this year? Well, actually, the couple that we're with, he did a lot of research. And, you know, we've already done the Bristol Bay and all the rivers, fly fishing. So we really don't do a lot of cast fishing. And we wanted to try that. And so we said, yes, let's go. Let's do this. So we planned it in January, and here we are. And how have you liked the experience so far? I love it. Well, tell me what some of the things you like, whether it be the food or the customer well, service the or what. the food is incredible. The wait staff, I mean, all the staff is amazing and very helpful. The captains are all great, and the fishing's perfect. It's been a great time indeed, and we're not done yet. Yeah. We've got another day yeah. and a half to go. So, Terry, yeah. fully expect you to be catching some salmon next. Yes, I hope. That's one thing I'm missing, is salmon. Well, that's probably I the next thing we'll go li- after. Yeah, we're a little early on that, I think. But that's okay. I love halibut. There you go. And that's the great thing about being here, folks. If the the salmon aren't biting and the bite's been a little off this year so far, but don't worry, it's coming. It always does. You fish for halibut. You fish for cod. You fish for lingcod. And they're all tasty. Yes, they are. All right. On that note, we have got to go. But, Terry, congratulations. Happy birthday to you out there, Todd, who we can see, but he can't hear us. And let's you and I get back to some fishing. Yes, let's do it. Thank you so much for the interview. Absolutely. And folks, again, you can find out more about fishing at Sportsman's Cove Lodge by going to alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Stick around. We're going to bring you more from the waters of Alaska right after this short break. Captain Brian dispatched that big halibut with a 410 shotgun, but I'll tell you what, I know he was wishing he had a second shot for that single shot shotgun, and he might want to look into the Lever Action Axe 410 from Henry Repeating Arms. It is a downsized 410 bore lever action shotgun only measures 16 inches long because most of the stock is off of it. However, it does carry five shotgun rounds, is perfectly legal to use, and be perfect to have on a boat if you are a guide who has to dispatch halibut from time to time, and those big ones sometimes take more than one shot. So, 
if you are looking for a compact lever action 410 shotgun, the Lever Action X 410 is for you. It is made in America. It comes with a lifetime satisfaction guarantee, and it's rugged and reliable. will stand up to all the rough and tumble action you put it through. Find out more about the Lever Action X 410 at HenryUSA.com. Look for a dealer near you, and don't forget to ask for your free decals and catalogs, too. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Ready for more local fishing and hunting? You got it. It's the Pacific Northwest edition of America Outdoors Radio. Right here on Seattle's Sports Radio, KJR. For your next local shot of the outdoors, we actually went to the Tri-City Sportsman Show and caught up with my old friend Ty Mountainer. He is with Garibaldi Charters, and he is all about deep sea fishing off the northern Oregon coast. Ty, it's great to catch up with you again. Hey, thanks, John, for having me. Why don't you tell our listeners what's new this year for anglers on the North Coast? So we start off with our deep reef starting around uh, mid-March there, around the 17th. And we got our deep reef going, and that's actually going to go all summer. We'll see how the fishing goes, and we'll continue fishing as long as it's good. You can have five rockfish, two lingcod, and uh, usually when we do the deep reef, we get some pretty good-sized ones. You also do some shallow water light tackle lingcod and rockfish fishing too. I know my daughter and I went on one of those trips. We had an absolute hoot. We do a near shore a lot of times. Now that they have, you know, the the outer open, you know, all summer there. So we'll, we'll probably be hitting that. And then, you know, if it's not it's not working well, then we'll probably come inside and be able to get lingcod on the inside too. So you got double the chance there. Let's talk a little bit about halibut this year. I understand there's some changes. There are. So halibut, um, like last year for a while, you know, we were able to keep, you know, lingcod and some bottom fish on that trip as well. This year, as long as we don't hit our quota there in the halibut, we'll be able to uh, retain lingcod and the rockfish again uh, throughout the season there for the halibut. That makes for a whole lot of fish for the freezer. That'll be fantastic. No, it's great. It, it gives us a nice opportunity to get you guys out and, and stock up. All right. Last but not least, you've got three boats that are part of your fleet. Tell our listeners a little bit about the comfortable day they're going to have on board. So we have two Deltas and we have a Magitek. We also have a 25-foot sled. And then we also book a captain up there on up the Columbia there. So, uh, you know, you have a chance of, you know, catching Springers and Chinook up there too. And, you know, we do a lot of bottom fishing. We do tuna, halibut. We'll start fishing mid-March and uh, go all the way through usually late October. So if you guys want a good time and come out, we get a lot of beautiful days in the summer. You know, we'd love to take you out. 
Well, I can tell you from personal experience that a day with Garibaldi Charters is a fun day indeed. I really enjoyed myself. They're located down on the Tillamook Coast. If you're looking for a place to stay, go to TillamookCoast.com. All sorts of places to stay, places to eat, things to do. And if you want to go fishing, come home with a bunch of fish, go to GaribaldiCharters.com. That's GaribaldiCharters.com. And if you want to book those early spring trips, you better hurry because space is limited. They are very popular. And the website again, GaribaldiCharters.com. Thanks, Ty. Hey, thank you very much. And you're always more than welcome to call. If you miss us, we're kind of in and out doing sportsman shows, so leave us a message, and we'll give you a call back as soon as we can. If not, you can always go on our website, like John was saying, and you can book it online there. Uh, we just try to make it as convenient as possible, and we look forward to seeing you guys. Thank you, John. And the phone number, folks, 1-800-900-HOOK. That's 1-800-900-HOOK. back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We continue to broadcast from Sportsman's Cove Lodge on Prince of Wales Island in southeast Alaska. And we are with the owner, Captain Larry Mac McQuarrie. And he's got an incredible story that I want to share with you today. Captain Mac, great to have you back on the air. Good to be with you, John. Always. We've touched on parts of your story over the years as we talk about the lodge and how this lodge came to be, but I really want to run through your life because to me it's so interesting how you came from where you were as a boy to where you are now at the age of 82 owning this lodge. And let's go back to the beginning. You're a Canadian by birth and you somehow got into fishing. Well, I grew up in a town just like Ketchikan, which is all about fishing, timber, and flying because there were no roads in or out, just like Ketchikan. So the main means of communications was airplanes and boats, and I grew up with all of that stuff. What town was that? That's Powell River, British Columbia, just across from Vancouver Island. It's the end of Highway 101. (laughs) All right, all right. So you start there, and were you a commercial fisherman originally? Yes, I commercial fished when I was in high school. I started fishing when I was 14 years old on a West Coast troller, salmon troller. So a kid at 14, out in the open ocean with a salmon troller with just just myself and the captain. Well, at some point, you decided that there were greener pastures because you joined the Navy. Right. The Canadian Navy at the time was the best way for me to combine both flying and fishing. So Okay, you got to explain this. <laughs> well, flying and fishing being the sea part of it. So the Navy is the sea part, the water part, and the flying was uh, obviously the flying part. So I joined as a pilot in the Canadian Navy. So you can't just join as a pilot. It's not like you fly Cessnas and you become a pilot in the Canadian Navy. At least I hope that's not the case. I presume you went to some sort of military school and attained the rank of officer? Yeah, I went to the Canadian, uh, what would be the Naval Academy in Victoria, British Columbia, and went through all of that and then went to flying training. Of course, the Navy always looked at you as pilots as one day we'll grow up and we'll come back to driving ships. So your training was as a ship's officer. And then after all that was done, then they sent you to pilot school. So essentially, the Navy looked at you as a naval officer being a ship's officer, and that someday that's where you would return when you grew up. So what did you fly as a pilot in the Royal Canadian Navy? A lot of older equipment, 
things that our generation ahead of us would fly. Like, for instance, I flew a Grumman Avenger, which is what George Bush flew. (laughs) (laughs) That's an old torpedo bomber. Exactly. Yeah. No, I didn't fly it myself. I mean, I, I flew in it and what have you. I was never a pilot of it. But we got to fly a lot of older equipment, which was pretty fun. And we trained on AT6s, which you see now in the Reno Air Races, and the Havilland Chipmunk, which you see, I think there's some aerobatic teams that fly the, the Chipmunk. So, and then we went to fixed wing school, and then later, and I flew fixed wings for a while, uh, meaning conventional airplanes, and then later uh, went to helicopters. I spent my last uh, four years in the Navy flying big helicopters, the big guys, uh, H3s, which is the Navy designation, which would be a Sikorsky S-61 or the same airplane that the Jolly Greens flew in, in Vietnam, for instance. Okay. And then it sounds like you did what so many pilots do. You went from the military to becoming a commercial airline pilot, and you flew with United, didn't you? When was this going on? I left the Navy in 1966. And went to work for United and went up through the pipeline in United and ended up flying out of Anchorage, which was a freighter base uh, for flying DC-10s, big big DC-10s, DC-10-30s. That's the one with the training wheel in the body. And uh, finished up a career in Anchorage, Alaska, flying uh, freight to the Orient and all over the world, really. And it was a great way to finish a career. You're listening to America Outdoors Radio. We're talking to Larry McQuarrie, simply known as Captain Mac, here at Sportsman's Cove Lodge on Prince of Wales Island in Alaska, about his story. And I've got to ask, so we've taken this journey from being a commercial fisherman in high school to becoming a pilot and a successful commercial airlines pilot. How do we get back to fishing in your life? Fishing never left my life. There was Fishing was always there. And everybody asks that, that same question. And fishing was always in the background. I would take uh, leave, well, not when I was in the Navy. I couldn't get away from the Navy. But I uh, finished nine years in the Navy. And when I, worked for, when I worked for United, I was able to plan my flight schedule so I would have my summers to fish. And I went back, started actually commercial fishing. And one day, one of the charter boat captains in the harbor I was fishing out of quit. And I happen to have a license, a master's, master mariner's license from, from my Navy days. And the man that ran the charter operation came down to my boat and said, I need somebody to run a boat tomorrow. I said, I don't want to run a boat. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to run a charter boat. If I wanted to run a charter boat, I'd be running a charter boat. He said, please, I need you. I need you to help me. And I said, okay, just for a few days. And at the end of the first day, coming back to the harbor at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when I normally would return at dark, if I returned at all, and with a deckhand back there cleaning my fish for me, I thought, maybe this isn't such a bad gig after all. And that was where it started, in Ocean Shores, Washington. Wow. So... From Ocean Shores, you went to Westport. And, folks, if you're not aware of the history of salmon fishing off the coast of Washington and Oregon and, you know, just the Pacific Northwest, it was booming in the 1970s. And you became part of that scene, didn't you? We did, yeah. We kind of grew a little bit at a time and ended up owning one of the larger charter offices in Westport. We had 17 big boats at the height of the the craziness that was going on down there. We used to fish 300 people a day. We had wow. the capability of fishing and that was just one operation. There was 20 
plus more operations in Westport and 300 plus charter boats all leaving the dock in the, in the morning at the same time. We created our own smog in the morning when we were leaving. That's amazing. But unfortunately, when it comes to our salmon stocks, it's boom or bust. And that was the boom. And what was it, the early 80s? Is that when the big bust happened? Yes. Federal court decisions basically decimated all of the fisheries in Washington down as far as Cape Falcon. So, yeah, it was time to look for a new home. And in uh, 84, as I recall, the Westport area had a 12-day season. As I recall, it was four days of king salmon and eight days of coho fishing. I was pretty active in the fish politics at the time. I could see that coming. Finally, it took a long time to get that for that realization to settle in, and it was like time to move, time to go someplace where we wouldn't have these issues and start over. So, you go north to Alaska, just like those folks hoping to strike gold back during the Klondike Gold Rush, but you're looking for a lodge. I was. I was looking for a home. I was looking for an environment that was the opposite to Westport, where there was so much effort, so much competition, so much going on. I was looking for some place quiet where I could take one boat or maybe two boats and start over with our own operation. We've only got about a minute left, but then comes Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Yeah, we were six years into Alaska when we became aware of this place, and it was run down, never had a paying passenger in it, a paying guest in it. It was rotting back into the rainforest. It had been vacant for three years. It wasn't even finished, and it had 23 liens against it. It was physically and financially a disaster, but that was all I could afford. What year was this? That was 1989. So... You take the plunge. We're going to have to shorten the story here. I have no doubt it was very difficult at first. A lot of hard work, a lot of sweat equity. What does Sportsman Cove Lodge look like today? Today, it is one of the premier lodges in Alaska. It is one of the oldest operations in Alaska, and especially in Southeast. There's very few places that have been operating longer than us. There are a few, but very few. And we've been highly rated national TV. We're pretty much on the map. You're definitely on the map. And there's a reason, folks, they call Sportsman's Cove Lodge Alaska's Best Lodge. If you don't believe me, just go to the website, alaskasbestlodge.com. We've got to go. But folks, this is an incredible place, and it's run by an incredible man, Captain Mac. Mac, thanks so much for sharing your story with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thank you, John. Great to be with you. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. 
Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska is booked for the season, which means now is the time to book for next year. And you'll want to do so soon because at the end of a typical summer, the lodge is over 80% booked. The reasons? The great fishing, the wonderful location, the comfortable accommodations, the fantastic food, and the over-the-top customer service. You'll find it all at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book today at alaskasbestlodge.com. Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. For our final segment of this show, we continue to broadcast on the water. Uh, we're on board the showgirl with five other anglers and our deckhand, Saul, and our captain, Brian Williamson, fishing right now for halibut and true cod. Captain Brian, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here, man. Glad to have you all on board. Well, it's been a fun morning so far, I'll tell you what. We've got uh, five halibut on board. We've cut a couple loose that just weren't big enough for us to keep because we're, you know, basically going for quality over quantity today. We've got one more to go. We've also got some true caught in the boat. It's been a good morning. That's not bad. Started out a little bit slow, but, you know, it's only, what, about 9.30 or so, and it looks good. Oh, it doesn't look bad at all, and I can't wait to go salmon fishing soon. But let's go ahead and recap the trip so far before we talk about the salmon fishing. Day one. You know, our, our first morning, it was about as rough out here as I've seen on my four trips. That kind of made for some tough fishing off the get-go, didn't it? It did, and it, it sat there and just hard to hold an anchor, and the anchor slips, and people are getting beat, and some people might have a little motion sickness, so to speak. So we ended up going out and trying to find us an island or someplace to get out, someplace to get out of the weather. That turned out to be a really good move because it wasn't a quantity day on day one, but it sure was a quality day. Uh, you got my daughter into a really nice halibut that was probably 60, 70 pounds. And then we hooked into the Grandy with Terry McLean getting a 120-pound fish. Do you get them that often out here that big? I have not. This has been my second year that I've been up here, and, and I think the Lodge has one that was 116 maybe so far this year but the year i spent here before we never even saw one that big well i'll tell you what that is the first time i've actually seen a halibut shot because when they're that big uh, you just can't drag them onto the boat can you uh, they flop around they probably break somebody's leg if they if they hit them just right oh i believe you i was watching it and those things they have some serious power and they're pretty much all muscle it seems nothing but a flat fish and nothing but bam 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 very good way to describe it. Well, we got under control. We got it hung up at the dock, and Terry McLean is a very happy woman with a very big fish. So that was day one. 
Day two, different. Came out here to the halibut grounds again, and much quicker start to the day. Yeah, it was pretty nice. I mean, to actually come in, caught the, caught the halibut. I didn't have to move. Then we went out, started trying to get something else, and ended up with a, uh, a king. Went out and started mooching a little bit for the salmon, and uh, come up with a king. We sure did. You know, we actually got our, our halibut, our six halibut. It's one halibut per angler per day out here for us non-residents fishing charters. So we got all that done. We got a couple cod in the boat, and then we headed south, looked for some ling cod. Got a couple. They were both undersized, though. And then, like you said, we made the move, started mooching for salmon. And my daughter got a 15-and-a-half-pound king. And Todd uh, McLean, who's with us today, he got himself a very nice silver that was about a 7-and-a-half-pound. So, not a bad way to wind up yesterday, was it? I was very pleased. I mean, you got to thank the fishing gods sometimes, you know? <laughs> well, and you know, everyone was happy because it was pretty much, you know, for all the fish we keep on the boat, folks, there's a lot of fish that we catch and, and turn back, whether they be, you know, halibut that are smaller than we want or undersized salmon or rockfish, that most of which you can't keep, or in the case today, a, a sawtooth flounder, which can best be described as a uh, big flounder spawned by Hades. But <laughs> it's all fun because you're just reeling in stuff all the time out here. Not only that. I mean, the scenery is incredible. There's lots of wildlife. We saw whales in the distance today. We saw, or I should say, you saw whales yesterday. And those were orcas, orcas. weren't they? There yeah. were orcas out rounding up the bait fish and everything. And, and they've been here most of the year so far. We've seen them. Saw a couple of bears as well on land, and last night my daughter and I just fishing off the dock saw some deer too. So, you know, it's just beautiful out here. Not to mention the eagles that are always flying over, hoping that a deckhand's going to throw something their way. So it's just beautiful, beautiful scenery out here. Unspoiled wilderness and an unspoiled place to fish. Now, pretty soon, we're going to be heading to the salmon grounds. And I want to talk about the way we fish here, because a lot of folks, when they go salmon fishing, they're trolling, and they're using downriggers and that sort of thing. We're going really old school. We're mooching for salmon. And I understand you know a little bit about the history of this technique. Well, I was looking at it and reading about it and looking it up, and there's kind of two stories that go along with it. One was the uh, fishermen would come in from town, and they'd have a, a good catch of salmon. And the people would come, and they would sit there and mooch at them, mooch at them, holler at them, tell me what you're doing, give me your bait. <laughs> and so they, they came up with the term mooching. And the other story was that the uh, Chinese were here working on the railroad, and then they would fish off the pier. They actually came up with the term that they started calling all the people coming up and messing with them, moochers. And that's why they ended up calling it mooching. That's funny. Now, did this technique originate in San Francisco or Washington State, Puget Sound? I mean, it is a West Coast kind of Northwest technique, isn't it? It is. And, and what I found out or what I researched, it happened around Washington, Seattle area, I guess. And, I mean, there are still folks who mooch for their salmon in the Sound. Uh, but most folks, they're using downrigs and all this. But I love mooching because it's so hands-on and everybody gets involved in the action yes you want you want this bait to be spinning and the key to keep it spinning is to keep reeling so you drop it down and you reel drop it down you reel pause a second you reel you pause a second and you reel and you just work the bait all the way through the water column from about whatever wherever they see the fish marking and you bring it up to the surface and drop it back down again and do it again now, as a captain, when you're looking for where we're going to drop our lines, you know, you've got this big Garmin fish finder here, and you're looking for bait balls, aren't you? 
bait balls or markings. If you see markings and stuff, you look at them, they're about 100 feet down, and you say, okay, we'll go down 100 feet. You work it back up. Right. So basically you're just dropping it through, folks, and just reel, 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 three, four times, pause a sec, reel, 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 three, four times, pause a sec. And sometimes these salmon, especially the pinks, and sometimes the kings, they'll follow it right up to the surface. And what is an angler supposed to do if that happens? You just drop it back down about 15 feet or so, and bam, they'll come back and get you. It's amazing how often that happened. Last year that happened a lot. I would say about half the time we did that, you hooked up as soon as it dropped that 15-foot mark or that first reel, reel, reel right after the 15-foot mark. It's a deadly effective way of fishing. And and the great thing is, is you don't need any experience because the reels are set up that, you know, you know how far to let them drop based on how much line goes off the reel. So you're telling them, you know, okay, go down 10, which is basically, you know, you count one side of the reel, the other, that's one, and then two, and then three. And once it's 10, you just stop pause and then reel 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 and anybody can do it it's easy and it's all hands-on it makes everybody involved and everybody has a good time with it and they'll sit there and say oh fish on you know something else i love about this is the fact you really get to know the people you fish with and and i love the fact that we're fishing together whether it's a three-day package or four-day package same captain same deckhand same passengers we've never met you know our co-anglers before marcy and mark and terry and todd but my daughter faith and i are, are really enjoying their company and you know one of them marcy hasn't done a whole lot of fishing but she's having a great day today isn't she yeah man, she's already brought in a nice halibut yeah, she certainly did bring in a nice halibut and a true cod, too. Right. And and that's the way it goes. You know, you sit on a spot, and it slowed down for us a little bit now, but, you know, we're still looking for one more. And one last thing I want to just reiterate again, folks, if you like the idea of fishing or if you have a spouse or a partner maybe who is not a non-fisher person but has a desire to go, this is really a great outing for them because literally no experience is required to succeed. None whatsoever. And you find out that sometimes the most inexperienced, they listen better. I know. I know. All of the rest of us have bad habits. We think we know what we're doing. <laughs> and, and, you can, and it's easy. It's easy. It's pretty easy. And anybody can do it. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, just another reason to come on out here and go fishing in Alaska. It's just a lot of fun. You're going to catch some fish. You're going to bring home a lot of fish, too. And the place to find out more is the website, alaskasbestlodge.com. Book your stay for next year at Sportsman's Cove Lodge on Prince of Wales Island in Alaska. You know, I hate to go today, but I got to admit, I am looking forward to that scenic float plane ride back to catch again. I always love getting a ride in those otters or those beavers. It's a ton of fun. Yes, it is. And you can see all sorts of things. I mean, you even can catch some uh, bighorn sheep. I've seen them before coming up over on the Ketchikan. I'll keep my eye out for that. That would be a new one. Well, Captain Brian, thanks again for a wonderful few days of fishing with you. Hope to see you again next year. It was our pleasure, and I hope to be back to see you again next year. I hope you've enjoyed our trip to Sportsman's Cove Lodge. I know my daughter Faith and I sure did. We always have such a wonderful time here and love making the memories that we do every time we go. If you are looking for a very special place to go fishing where you're going to be treated like an absolute king or queen with genuine hospitality and fantastic food and comfortable accommodations and 
great fishing too. The place to go, Sportsman's Cove Lodge. And the website to go to is alaskasbestlodge.com. Now is the time to book if you want to go fishing for salmon, for halibut, for true cod, lingcod, and more. Until next time, here's hoping you are healthy, you are blessed, and that you get to enjoy some adventures as well. After all, it is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Then set the hook because we've got it right here for you. America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. A sharp blade makes short work of any project you have in the outdoors, in the kitchen, or in the shop. Hone your knives and tools with quality power and manual sharpeners from WorkSharp. Find out more at WorkSharpTools.com. Don't leave yet. We've got one more local shot of fishing and hunting to wrap up the Pacific Northwest edition of America Outdoors Radio. You know what time it is. It's time for another extended Max Minute, which we really should just call the two-minute drill at this point, because that's how long this minute seems to go. And we've got somebody new for you this week. It's a pro staffer from Max Lure named Jim Davis. He hails from the Tri-Cities, and he loves kayak fishing. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I want to talk about an event that you and your friends put on, the Winter Walleye Social. Tell us a little bit about the history of this and what it's all about. The Winter Walleye Social is something that we do every November. It's when the eater-sized fish generally go a little bit deeper. They're congregated, and they're pretty easy to target. I have put out an invite to everybody, and I get people from all over the three states in the Pacific Northwest and other areas. We all come out. Everybody uh, asks what to use. We tell them, you know, pick up some sonic bait fish or some blade baits or some different things. And then uh, we all come down and everybody, we launch in the water. And I put up a lot of the guys at my house. I think I had 20 of them this year stay at the plate at my oh, house. Wow. And it's it's a good time. We all go out and eat dinner. But anyways, we'll we'll fish for a couple of days there. And like this year, the day of the, uh, the, the event, I think we had 55 anglers and there wasn't a single individual that skunked. Well, that's fantastic. And... The thing about this is this isn't a derby. This isn't a contest. It's just a get-together, and everybody who has a kayak is invited. Yes, exactly. Yep, it's everybody that's got a kayak is invited to come. As long as we do promote, you know, safety, we'd like to see people in dry suits. and Life jackets are an absolute must and all that kind of stuff. So if people want to get in on next year's Winter Walleye Social... How do they go about that? If you wanted to get in on next year's Winter Walleye Social, you could either look me up on Facebook, Jim Davis. You can go to the Facebook page, Kayak Fishing Addicts Northwest, where uh, we post a lot of stuff there. Or you can go ahead and, and get on to uh, Tri-City Kayak Anglers on Facebook, and we'll post the social there as well. All right. Different ways to do it. Either look for Jim Davis on Facebook or Kayak Fishing Addicts Northwest and make plans to attend the Winter Walleye Social in November of 2023. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. That's all for this week, but don't worry. We'll do it all again next Saturday morning from 7 to 8 right here on Seattle's Sports Radio, KJR.